0: Welcome into the program from uh, Fognet.com, Kansas 247 Sports, Michael Swain. Michael,
1: good morning. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Excited for uh, another big day Hoops Ahead.
0: We had a great night last night in college basketball, and I just want to get your 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 thoughts. Uh, are, are you surprised or should we be surprised that three number ones are are out of the tournament?
1: Yes and no. I think depending on the number one seed you mentioned, you know, I think that Houston upsetting Arizona was not necessarily a surprise. I think that's one that like my bracket is objectively awful, but that was one that I had in my bracket where, you know, you look at Houston and they're just a tough matchup and they should not be um, where they're at sea wise. They should probably be a two seat. Um, and so I know them upsetting Arizona was not a surprise. I think in losing for me was the biggest surprise just, that team is so talented, and you know, with Chet Holmgren and Timmy um, at the front court, and then what they have in the back court, you know, they're a team that I thought was going to go pretty far. Now, of course, they have flaws, and I think every team remaining has flaws, which I think makes it a really fascinating thing to try and predict. So, I think to some degree, you know, a, a part of me surprised that you know Gonzaga went down but I think for the likes of Baylor and Arizona um, not necessarily as surprised because I think those teams had to deal with some injuries here late in the postseason which I think can obviously impact things
0: for the Jayhawks tonight Providence really really good on the offensive board that's one of their strengths and how does Kansas combat that and, and make sure that they're not getting those second looks
1: yeah, I think for KU, it's an interesting dynamic because you look at Providence and what they do. You know, I think they rank like you know a hundredth maybe or ninety something um, in offensive re- rebound percentage. For Providence, you got to pick your poison here because if you're going to crash the boards, that means you're going to uh, leave some space behind you for KU to push the pace in transition. And I think if you're Providence, you don't want that to happen. You're going to try and make this a little bit more of a dogfight than an up and down game because I think you take KU offensively more often than not in that type of game. And I don't know if Providence defense you know, uh, can slow KU's offense if they are running like that. So I think for Providence, you got to make the decision. Are you going to go crash the boards and try and get extra opportunities there and risk KU kind of pushing the pace and getting things going in transition? Or are you going to go send guys back and really concede that you're going to get one-shot possessions in a lot of them? Um, so I think that's an interesting dynamic for sure.
0: Is one of the biggest matchups tonight going to be what David McCormick can do against Nate Watson?
1: Um, To some degree. I think, honestly, for me, I look at someone like Ochai Baji and I think, obviously, KU has had the emergence of Remy Martin, but I think Ochai has not been as efficient. I think his shooting percentage is, like, 38% from the field since March started. So I think that's kind of where the game hinges for me. I think you look at McCormick and can he just stay on the floor? You know, he's obviously dealing with the foot injury. I think we've talked about that several times uh, where, you know, you, you watch him walk in the hallways and he's still kind of hobbling. And I think that's notable for me, at least. So I think for me, it's not, can Dave McCormick go get 20 and 10? It's can Dave McCormick go play 27 minutes? and allow Mitch Lightfoot to come in and play, you know, about 10 and have maybe one of the freshmen play just a handful. Um, so I think for KU, it's just about how many minutes McCormick can play because he's so good on the offensive glass that he's going to get you, four, you know, four or five extra opportunities on the offensive glass, and can you turn those into extra points? So I think that obviously he's going to be big, but I probably look maybe to ochi for being my kind of the key matchup in the game.
0: Everybody knows the, the skill set and the and the talent of Abaji, do you kind of have a number in your mind Abaji needs to go get x amount of points for this team to to be in a good position to win the basketball game tonight
1: yeah i usually think you know about that 19 point mark can he get kind of into that 19 point mark on, and do it on you know that kind of 45 to 50 percent shooting from the field um the, the actual shooting numbers don't come off the top of my head but something around that where can he not be one of these guys that's going to get you know yeah he can get 20 points but is he doing it on you know four of 15 shooting you know those are the type of games you have to avoid in March just because you know the games tend to slow down and you're going to have less possessions so you really need to focus on taking high percentage shots and I think for me something that's interesting is the defensive scheme that Providence runs is a little bit like what Creighton did against KU last week where they're going to kind of let KU shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers and Ochai, for as good as he is his one vice is kind of the pull up mid-range shots that Sometimes will take, and they're some of the most inefficient shots. He shoots like 29% on them, and they're already, you know, in terms of like basketball numbers, not considered to be a good shot. So then you add on top of that that Ochi is not necessarily good shooting them. You know, he has to be really disciplined and not take those shots because those end up being wasted possessions. And I think, again, like a game like this where you're probably looking at it being a little bit slower, you know, you can't have that. So I think for me, you look at Ochi, can you get kind of that 19-point mark, do it on some more efficient shooting? If he does, I think Key's in a really good
0: spot. And Do you think that Kansas needs to keep the floor spaced out on the offensive end to do that, to allow uh, not only Abanji but Martin to, to get inside and, and get those high-percentage shots?
1: man, we're just running through some of the points I have in a film room coming out later. Exactly. The spacing is huge. And Bill self-compared it to a bunch of third graders playing basketball is what he kind of said that that's what KU looked like against Creighton. And so that's been the big focus this week. Can you fill both corners and then allow guys like Remy Martin or DeWan Harris or, you know, any one of the wings that KU has that are really good at slashing to the rim. Can you space the floor correctly so that those guys have space to operate because, You know, Watson is not necessarily one of these elite shot blockers like, you know, Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga or Shibway at Kentucky, right? He's someone that is decent in the paint, can hold the zone in the post, but you're not really concerned about him going up and blocking five shots a game. So I think for KU, spacing is going to be crucial. And so I think if you're watching the game, you know, first four minutes or so, just look at the corners. Does KU have guys in the corners or are they kind of closer to the wing? And if they're closer to the wing, that's going to be trouble for KU.
0: Michael, what what has gone into the defensive adjustments and improvements for Kansas down the stretch?
1: I think it's just focus. If you watch this team during non-conference play and even the first portion of Big 12 play, they were a team that leaned into the fact that they were an offensive team, and they would kind of coasted on the defensive end, and you could see it. They were not locked into matchups, and knowing the scouting report, um, there were times, I think, against maybe Iowa State where they let Brockington get to his left hand like five or six times, and Bill Self was visibly frustrated on the sideline. And I think now that postseason has started, this is a team that has kind of said, it's the old adage of kind of flipping the switch, and you see it a lot in the NBA. But this is a team that I think has kind of realized that, all right, it's time to lock in now. And you've seen that the intensity has been a lot better. They've been a lot better kind of sticking to scouting reports. I think there was maybe a four-minute stretch against Creighton where that didn't happen. But I think in general it's a team that has really said, all right, it's time to focus on the defensive end. And they've got the pieces to defend. It's always just been a question of how locked in are they to the scouting report and how kind of focused are they every single possession throughout a game.
0: This is a program that's, that's consistently at this level, year in, year out. I mean, it's a, it's a blue blood. We all recognize that. But how does that consistency from the program help this particular basketball team and maybe even some of the younger kids that are there for the first or maybe even the second time?
1: I think it helps that the head coach has been there and done that and knows how to manage – the stress of a time of year like this because it's so interesting because most of this team has not been in a position like this. For Jalen Wilson, this is the first time he's played in the second weekend. You know, this is a team that hasn't made the Sweet 16 since 2018. You know, in 2019, they lost to Auburn in the second round, they got blown out. You know, then COVID happens and 2020's tournament gets canceled. Then last year they get blown up by USC in the second weekend. So this is a team that doesn't necessarily have the same experience in terms of making it to the sweet 16 or elite eight that maybe that 2018 and teams prior to that had. So I think having a head coach like, you know, Bill Self, who obviously has been there and done that. And I think as his career has gone on, um, seems maybe more comfortable in general. You know, I think you watch some of the press conferences, you can tell he's just more comfortable with things. And I think that that can rub off on his players um, and this group can get tight. I think if you watch them over the last week, you know, the last four games of the Big 12 slate, they got tight. You saw it at Baylor, you saw it at TCU, and you saw it at Texas or against Texas at Allen Fieldhouse. Like, this group plays tight when the stakes are high. So I think it kind of helps that the head coach can maybe alleviate some of that stress and make the guys play free.
0: Yeah. How important is it for them to be loose in this game and get that transition game going? Because when they get the transition game going, This team seems to flow a little bit better. Is that important that they get that done early
1: tonight? 100%. I think they need one of those runs early in the game that can help them get in a rhythm, build some confidence. I think the last thing, this team has shown it can come back, right? It's done at Oklahoma, at Kansas State, but it's different when you're behind and you know your season could end. And I think for KU it's going to be big. Can you get out to an early lead? Not necessarily like a 10-point lead, but can you get out, you know, two possessions, can you get it by six points? And I think that will give KU some cushion. You know, against Creighton, for example, KU got up by nine at one point, but then they gave up some of the lead, but they had that cushion where you don't have to be perfect every single defensive possession. And I think that for them, if you're able to score some points early, get running a little bit, I think that'll help them uh, alleviate some of that stress or some of the anxiety that can come from playing in a big stage like this. So I think you're spot on.
0: Michael, I was reading an article the other day, and they were interviewing Coach Cooley over at Providence. He was talking about how this is his first matchup against Kansas, and I believe he said it was Providence's first time as well, which I thought was kind of odd. But when you look at that, does the brand factor of KU come into play? Like when you're stepping on the court, you've never seen these guys, and you're going up against a blue blood like KU. Does that a factor at all as far as the mental aspect?
1: Maybe for some teams, but honestly, listening to the – Providence team talk yesterday I mean they're a confident bunch I mean they should be they won the the, you know the Big East that had you know Creighton, Villanova UConn you know like it was a solid year for the Big East and I think that they have every right to be confident I think maybe for you know if you're talking about maybe a different mid-major yeah that can definitely play a role and that can help KU but I think against a team like this that clearly is tough and clearly um, is confident going into it I'm not sure if the the brain factor has much of an impact
0: Michael, what are, you, uh, what are you working on right now for uh, for Fognet.com and, and, and 247 Sports?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, whenever we uh, finish up here, I'll go and publish a film room kind of covering a little bit of the stuff that we've talked about today and then going to write a little bit about kind of you trying to take the next step and what Bill Self thinks Keyu can do to do that because obviously now they've got to keep building on what they have because they are now the national title favorites. So a lot of good stuff to come here today before the game. As
0: always, it's a pleasure. Michael, appreciate your time.
1: Definitely. Thanks, guys. Always Talk to
0: you soon. It. That is uh, Michael Swain.